We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What is going on, folks? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Roman. More from them later. My name is Rob Lauder. As always, I cover the 49ers for NinersNation.com. Now, I'm a break. I'm about to break a lot of your hearts. And frankly, mine's broken too. But my beloved co-host, Eric Crocker, also of the press coverage podcast on the Blue Wire Network. Crocker cannot join us tonight. I know, I know. So I'll be talking about that glorious Saints victory. All of my lonesome. Croc, wish you were here, buddy. But anyways, I digress. And if you've already clicked the stop button and clicked out, I'll understand. Because, you know, Croc and I are like the yin and the yang. You can't have one without the other. But that's what you're going to get tonight. So stick with me. Let's talk some 49ers. And obviously, it's all love here right now because we get to talk about that that phenomenal football game that we all got to witness on Sunday that, frankly, a lot of us are probably still recovering from. But with that being said, before we get too far into the instant classic that was Saints 49ers 2019, what might be their first of two matchups, we'll see. Uh, we got to cover some injury news because if there's one thing that you've become accustomed to this season, 
It's that the 49ers have always got some injury news to talk about. And tonight's, this morning's, this afternoon's, whenever you're listening, is going to hurt a little bit more than it usually does. So bear with me. I'm going to break it to you. You know, don't kill the messenger. I'm sorry. But here we go. So the number of injuries stemming from the Saints game, it's extensive. Okay, the biggest, most noteworthy that you've probably already heard about is the 49ers lost starting center, Weston Richburg, to a torn patellar tendon, which essentially connects your knee to your shin. Um, It's a significant injury, one that is going to take him, well, one, it's season ending. Two, it's going to involve recovery all the way up until, uh, you know, the heart of next year's offseason probably running right up until the season. Uh, We'll see. I'm not a doctor. I don't want to speak too heavily on that. But the 49ers have lost their starting center, which is a big deal in Kyle Shanahan's offense. The center is responsible for identifying defensive fronts and defensive alignments and shifting their coverage if necessary and pointing shifts and motions and blitzes out. There's a lot that goes into it. So losing your starting center, it's a big deal. Um, In addition to Richburg, uh, defensive end D Ford, who had been battling with a hamstring injury, missing the last two weeks. He aggravated the same injury, and he's expected to miss even more time now. Shanahan said yesterday that he expects Ford to, to miss. He His quote really was that he, he, he'll miss more time than he did before. So uh, Ford missed two weeks, and obviously that wasn't enough time to, to, to allow the injury to fully heal. So I think it's fair to expect that he'll miss at least three weeks. And maybe let's say, you know, if the 49ers get a first round by in the playoffs, uh, I think Ford will be still be recovering during that week. If the 49ers have to play in the first round, I'm not all that certain that Ford even plays because uh, he obviously that hamstring is significant. And anytime you injure something and you allow you to yourself to recover and you re-injure it, usually it's a little worse because you're just compounding the issue. So the 49ers don't have Ford. Um, they won't have him as they make their run to hopefully capture the division and the number one seed in the uh, in the NFC. In addition to D. Ford, starting quarterback Richard Sherman uh, also aggravated his hamstring, and he will be out at least two weeks, is the way Shanahan made it seem. Um, so I, you know, if depending on how things are going, I think the 49ers are probably penciling him in for the 40 for their week 17 matchup against the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if Sherman wasn't able to make that. But at the same time, as I'm saying that, and all you guys listening know, know full, know full well how Sherman is and the type of player he is. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if he's playing in that game, even if, he shouldn't be, you know, if we knew everything there was to know about his hamstring. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he wasn't, if it wasn't the best thing to do for his health, would be playing in that Seahawks game, but he'll do it anyways because he knows the stakes and, you know, it's a matchup against his former team that he uh, that he cares about. Um, continuing on, we got defensive lineman DJ Jones, who's uh, essentially 49ers starting nose tackle. When they're when they're using one in a defense depends on the defensive alignment. He's got a sprained ankle. The one thing I don't know is if this is stemming from the sprained ankle that he just recovered from. Uh, he missed one game, 
or if this is a new sprained ankle. I'm not, I'm not sure. It doesn't really matter. We know his status is too busy to determine. Shanahan seemed very, seemed pretty, pretty certain that he wasn't going to play this week. Um, cornerback Kwan Williams, the 49ers starting nickel cornerback, who's having a phenomenal season. He's in the concussion protocol. They're not sure if he's going to play this week. Still kind of to, to be determined. So the, the 49ers sustained a lot of energies, energies, <laughs> injuries, and you still have like starting safety Jaquiski Tart. Um, he fractured his ribs. They are unsure if he's going to be able to practice this week. He's waiting to be cleared by the doctors. Um, an injury very similar to what Emmanuel Sanders went through earlier uh, in the year. We also have Dante Pettis, who is dealing with knee injuries. Uh, the 49ers also related injury news, just put Marquise Goodwin on injured reserve who ending his season, he's been dealing with chronic knee and leg pain. Uh, they were looking for treatment options for it. And apparently, you know, whatever, apparently whatever treatment he's going to be seeking is significant uh, because it, it ended his season. So, um, you know, obviously not to, you know, obviously not a shot at Marquise the person. Everybody knows what kind of person he is, but it's not a huge blow to the 49ers this season. Marquise Goodwin's role with the team has uh, has dwindled down to almost nothing uh, at this point in the season to the point where, you know, a couple weeks ago against the Packers, he was inactive. And, you know, he's uh, last week against the Ravens, he had like one snap. And, uh, you know, it's just – to the point where, you know, it's clear that his tenure with the team, given he's owed, I believe, upwards of $4 million next year, might be coming to a close, um, which is unfortunate given that one year where, you know, 2017, where he was just phenomenal. But, you know, it happens. It happens all the time. So I'm kind of thinking to myself, making sure I'm not leaving anything out. I know, I know you got that, that should be it, right? You know what I mean? That's, that's a lot of stuff to cover as far as injuries go this late in the season. It's really unfortunate because the 49ers seemed like for a moment there, they were almost, you know, near perfect strength. You had both uh, Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey have come back uh, within the past couple weeks. McGlinchey, you know, he struggled when he first came back, but he's really turned it on lately. Uh, he's been playing really well. Uh, by all accounts, Staley had a pretty good game uh, against the Saints. And, you know, you got Matt Breida back. Um, I know there's a couple more that had come back that I'm really, you know, knocking myself in the head for forgetting about. Um, but the 49ers were starting to get healthy and then boom, a slap in the face from the injury bug after just such a draining and emotionally taxing and physically taxing for these guys game against the saints, you know, and, it, and to come away with a win, it's phenomenal, but it's really, really sobering when it comes attached with injury news like this. So if the 49ers have proven one thing this season, it's that they can endure these types of injuries you know, they've been able to win without George Kittle. They've been able to win without their two starting tackles. They've been able to win without Kyle Juszczyk starting fullback. So if there's one thing this team has proven, it's that they can win in spite of injuries. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. they got the Falcons coming up at Levi's Stadium, which is uh, one of their easiest matchups that they've had. When you consider the last two weeks of, of the season consists of the Rams and the Seahawks, both strong teams. The last three weeks have consisted of the Saints, Ravens, and Packers, which is a historically difficult playoff, you know, a historically difficult stretch of playoff-bound teams. So the 49ers have been able to win games in spite of these injuries 
against difficult teams. And now they get one game, you know, with the Falcons that in compared to that schedule uh, is relatively easy, but this is the NFL and the Falcons, you know, we'll get more into the Falcons here a little bit later, but um, if there was one game where you felt like the team could withstand another injury blow like this, it would be against the Falcons who are struggling to say the least. So they've already been eliminated from the playoffs. So feels a lot like 2013. Y'all should know what I'm talking about. It probably might be 2012, 12 into 13, somewhere in there. Um, so yeah, I, you know, enough of that, enough of the, enough of the injury news. I know, I'm not trying to, you know, create the most, you know, we've already lost Crocker and we've lost all these players. I'm not creating, trying to create the most depressing podcast you've ever heard of. Um, so back to the positive stuff, 49ers saints, last second field goal, Robbie gold, 49ers win incredible game-winning drive with 50 seconds remaining and three timeouts. I mean, this game had it all. The one thing that it did not have, as you can tell by the score, is defense. Unfortunately, neither team, both teams have respectable defenses, the New Orleans Saints and the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers defense is better, you know, bordering on the uh, on the fringe of elite, but whatever both of these teams were doing and whatever their game plans were on offense completely neutralized both teams defenses. And it was a shootout in its purest fashion. Okay. And it was, it was something to watch, you know, for somebody who praises defense, I actually just got done recording a podcast with Eric Davis, former 49er. And he was, he, he obviously he said it was a good game, but he was a little taken back by the fact that there was so little defense, you know, an, an all former, all pro Super Bowl, Super Bowl winning. That's a lot of, a lot of words in there. A lot of different sounds, all pro Super Bowl winning cornerback. You know, you can understand his point of view. It wasn't a whole lot of defense there, but this, this game was one for the ages, one for the ages. Just the highlights, the NFL posts on YouTube, you know, was was 16 minutes long. That'll tell you how much was going on in this play. You know what? Before we even get into it, I'll read through the possessions in this game. And I'm going to bounce back and forth between the 49ers and Saints. Saints got the ball first. Touchdown. 49ers. Touchdown. Saints. Touchdown. 49ers. Punt. Saints. Touchdown. 49ers, touchdown. And I'm just going back and forth between the Saints and 49ers. Saints again, touchdown. Someone tweeted on Twitter. A little redundant there. I can't remember their name. And that's that's on me. I'll have to dig it up for you guys. Said the last team, or excuse me, teams are like 44-0 and 0 if they score four touchdowns on their first four consecutive drives. 40 Four and oh. The Saints are the one. So now it's 44 and one. Incredible. Just just incredible. Talk, talks to you about the resiliency of the 49ers in this one. But anyways, we were on the Saints fourth touchdown. Going back to the Niners. Touchdown. Saints punt. Niners touchdown. Saints end the half. Niners interception. Jimmy Garoppolo throws the ball to Emmanuel Sanders. Probably should have been caught. Little difficult, should have been caught. Interception. Saints, field goal. 49ers, punt. 
Saints, fumble, 49ers, touchdown. Saints, field goal, 49ers, punt. Saints, turnover on downs. 49ers, touchdown. Saints, touchdown. 49ers, field goal. Saints, touchdown. 49ers, game-winning field goal. Now, I know that probably sounded like a lot of back and forth. Probably could have found a much more eloquent way of describing that. But that is an insane game, folks. That is nuts. I've almost never seen anything like it. You know, I know that, you know, it reminds me of the the Chiefs and the Rams last year. I think both teams were into the 50s, which is incredible. You know, it was just crazy to watch that and watch every play of a game that was just that intense. We're running down the list of, of positives that I know we need to talk about. Jimmy freaking Garoppolo, folks. The dude has been playing his mind out. What does it even make sense? Of playing his mind out? What, whatever I'm trying to say. He's playing out of his mind is what I was trying to say. It's it's just nuts. Over the last, like, over the stretch of the last, you know, four games. Let's just go three games since we're talking about that historically diff, difficult stretch. Jimmy Garoppolo over the last three games against three teams that are almost guaranteed to be in the playoffs. Not technically. Almost. He's completed roughly 72% of his passes. Well above your average. Seven touchdowns and one interception. Quarterback rating of about 130. It's been nuts. He is playing championship caliber football against good teams in games that matter. If you had questions about Jimmy Garoppolo, are they not answered? What you, you know, yes, I understand the stakes get raised in the playoffs, in the postseason. But Jimmy Garoppolo is playing championship caliber football against teams that matter, in games that matter. Give the guy some freaking credit. He went toe-to-toe with a first-ballot Hall of Fame quarterback, Drew Brees, and beat him. Now, normally, I don't subscribe to the quarterback versus quarterback comparison, but going back to Eric Davis, he enlightened me a little bit. And the fact that what one quarterback does when he's on the field affects what the other quarterback does when he gets on the field. You've all seen that gif, that video of Cam Newton. Can't remember who it was against, but the team goes down and scores. Cam Newton, with a little towel over his head, shakes his head and says, okay, and he takes the field. Now, I guarantee you there was a whole lot of that going on between Jimmy Garoppolo and Drew Brees. Okay, let's go. Jimmy Garoppolo went toe-to-toe with Drew Brees and beat him. There were a whole lot of bullets being fired in this shootout, and Jimmy Garoppolo fired the last one with some help from another young gentleman, but we'll get there in a little bit. In his game against the Saints, Jimmy Garoppolo threw it 35 times and completed 26, 74% completion ratio, stellar, for 349 yards. He averaged 10 yards per throw, per attempt. That's not per completion. That's per attempt. Jimmy Garoppolo averaged 10 yards per attempt. Drew Brees lit it up as well. 
He threw for 349 yards as well, but had 8.7 yards per completion. Jimmy Garoppolo threw it a few more times, completed a few few more passes than, than Garoppolo. Drew Brees completed 72% of his passes at 8.7 yards per attempt. Jimmy Garoppolo outdueled Drew Brees and took three sacks in the process. Drew Brees was never sacked, which is a surprising stat in and of its own, given the 49ers' defensive capabilities. Jimmy Garoppolo was sacked three times, but still managed four touchdowns. One interception that really wasn't his fault and a 131 quarterback rating. That is impressive, folks. 49ers had a little bit more success on the ground than the Saints did. Rushed for 162 yards to the Saints' 116, which we've come to expect from the 49ers' offense. It's extremely well-rounded. So, folks, whatever doubts you have about Jimmy Garoppolo, this is not saying he's never going to play another bad game of football in his life, but they should be erased. He's legit. I know you guys out there have a lot of respect for Kyle Shanahan. Do you really think he's a person that could be fooled into paying Jimmy Garoppolo what they did? What we're seeing now is what Kyle Shanahan saw in Garoppolo. This is what he envisioned being able to do with his offense. It's safe to say that Garoppolo, despite the very limited starting experience, he's still a puppy when it comes to you know, starting. He's barely over a season if you add up all his starts. He's he's got Kyle Shanahan's offense humming at an elite level. An elite level. And we'll see if they can keep this train rolling. But I can't I can't come up with enough good things to say about Jimmy Garoppolo. Which seems like a nice time to get in a quick word for our sponsor who makes it possible for us to be here, Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction, it isn't easy. Usually, men just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work. Or, sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. Simple, safe, totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process, it's straightforward, simple, discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash bluewire and complete an online visit. ED used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to getroman.com slash bluewire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash bluewire for a free visit. Once again, to get started, that's getroman.com slash bluewire. So in addition to one Jimmy Garoppolo, we can't we could not go any further without mentioning George freaking 
Kittle. Are you serious? Are you serious? You all know what I'm talking about. If you've seen the game, you know what I'm talking about. One of the sickest game wheeling, game wheeling. I, I was combining two words here. I would probably think it's more appropriate to say game ceiling plays we've ever seen. Okay. In case you haven't seen it or in case you've forgotten, which would just be weird. 49ers got the ball back with 53 seconds left. The Saints had just taken the lead. Tried to go for two points to extend their lead to three. Couldn't get it. Drew Brees incomplete pass. They were up by one. Okay. 46-45. 49ers get the ball back with 53 seconds left. First play is a short pass to George Kittle. Eight yards. Timeout. Then he's incomplete to Emmanuel Sanders. Then he's incomplete to George Kittle. Timeout number two. It's fourth and two, folks. It's fourth and two. 49ers don't complete this pass. The game's over. The game is over. But Jimmy Garoppolo drops back, hits George Kittle in the flat, running left, who's covered by Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, rookie safety. Kittle catches the ball, would have already had the first down. If he would have gotten tackled right then, he would have already had the first down. The 49ers drive would have continued. But it's George Kittle, folks. He doesn't get tackled there. He takes it upfield. He he caught the pass for seven yards. And then he added 31 after the catch. It took three Saints defenders to bring Kittle down, despite the fact that the entire time he had the ball, he was being face-masked. He did not care. When he got done being tackled by those three gentlemen, his, his chin strap was in his mouth. His helmet was halfway pulled off. He got up so fired up, he put the 49ers in. His, his play in and of itself put the 49ers in field goal range. Long field goal, but then those 15 yards from the face mask, multiple flags flew in. It was so obvious. Put them in easy field goal range. On the next play, the 49ers allowed Raheem Mostert to run it, gain three yards, call their timeout. Jimmy Garoppolo kneels, kill a little bit of clock. 49ers call their last timeout with two seconds remaining. And Robbie Gould hits the kick, the 30-yarder, to win the game for the 49ers. George freaking Kittle, man. Unreal. Just an unreal performance in that moment. And to me, that is a type of play, no matter what happens to the 49ers this season, that is a type of play that will define a career. And it will set it on a trajectory that not even Kittle knows what it is at this moment. I feel like he was, before a play like that, he was already one of the league's biggest stars. Think about that. The 49ers' fifth-round pick from 2017 is now one of the biggest stars in the NFL. And that moment was just some incredible icing on the cake for a guy who needed no more icing. Everybody already respected George Kittle. That was just such an incredible play at a moment that couldn't have gotten any better. It was awesome. Impossible not to just be impressed by that, no matter where your allegiances lie. Incredible play. Shanahan got in his bag for this game. The 49ers ran so many crazy plays. It was nuts. You had... Emmanuel Sanders, wide receiver, 
throwing to Raheem Mostert for a touchdown on like a double reverse. And I and I don't blame Shanahan for getting in his bag. The 49ers were in a shootout. They needed some electricity. They needed to get the end zone over and over, and there was nothing that was going to keep Shanahan from doing that. You had Kyle Juszczyk taking handoffs and then tossing it out to Mostert on key third down plays. It was nuts, and, and I'm leaving a lot. There were tons of ends around, a couple reverses, some misdirections. It's just, it was an impressive game for Shanahan too. You know, coming off against, coming off that game against the Ravens where I felt like he had some questionable questionable play calls, some questionable decisions, some questionable time management. And then he comes out and just pitches a freaking shutout. I was writing today that this was, this was Kyle Shanahan's shock and awe. And it was an arsenal of, of weapons on his offense. It was nuts. It was nuts. Speaking of nuts, how much is the the Emmanuel Sanders trade paying off for the for the 49ers? Emmanuel Sanders, who the 49ers traded a third and fourth round pick for, they got a fifth round pick in return. So essentially they traded the third and they pushed the fourth down a little bit um, to become the Denver Broncos fifth. You know, so you're moving down. 49ers are obviously in the bottom of the draft order. Broncos are towards the top. Traded those for Emmanuel Sanders, who, against the Saints, caught seven passes on nine targets for 157 yards. That's 22 yards a catch. Made a, you know, obviously inflated by a 75-yard touchdown from Jimmy Garoppolo, which was a crazy play. Emmanuel Sanders turned around a little early, but at the same time, he was battling with Saints defenders, caught the ball, fell down, realized he hadn't been tackled, got up, and raced two Saints defensive backs to the end zone. And got an incredible play. He also threw a touchdown of his own for 35 yards. So how much is you know how much is that paying off? How much is that trade paying off? You know, in an offense where it was kind of like it's George Kittle or nothing else, Sanders comes in and gives the 49ers another legitimate target for Jimmy Garoppolo, another legitimate target for defenses to account for. Just in six starts, seven games with the 49ers, Emmanuel Sanders already has 29 receptions, excuse me, 28 receptions for 407 yards and three touchdowns. So he's had six starts. So let's take that number. Obviously, you know, we could go with seven. It doesn't matter. He, 16 games in a season. So you multiply that by, you know, 2.3 2.3 or whatever the math is on that. If you were, if you're trying to project Sanders impact over a season, he's over a thousand yards, close to nine touchdowns, eight touchdowns where somewhere in there, an impressive debut for Sanders with the 49ers. And he's, you know, what, what else has been awesome to watch is his impact on Debo Samuel. Now, whether this is, you know, Samuel benefiting from Emmanuel Sanders' advice or Debo Samuel just needing a little bit of heat to be taken off him so that he can thrive a little bit as a rookie. He has just blossomed since Sanders has come into the fold. Since Emmanuel Sanders has shown up, 
Debo Samuel has, I mean, against the Cardinals, four receptions, 40 yards. Seahawks, eight receptions, 112 yards. Arizona again, eight receptions, 134 yards. Green Bay, two receptions, 50 yards, touchdown. Baltimore, two receptions, 41 yards, touchdown. New Orleans, five receptions for 76 yards. And he's had some success on the ground. 33-yarder, 33 yards against the Saints, 20 yards against Baltimore, 29 yards against the Panthers. So, in a lot of ways, Sanders is helping this offense well beyond just his own impact, his own his own plays. You know, he's helping Samuel turn into a a legitimate threat within this league. He's I think he's fourth in rookie receivers behind DK Metcalf, Terry McLaurin. Um. There's a couple more. I know you guys are just saying these names in my ear. Not in my ear, obviously, but saying these names right now. For some reason, I'm spacing. He's like fourth or fifth among rookie receivers. And he's been impressive. You know, it's very easy to see what Shanahan saw in Debo Samuel. And that's just another impact of, of, of adding somebody of Manuel Sanders' caliber. And, you know, to me... From a team's perspective, and this is something Shanahan has been telling the 49ers after games, post-game locker room speeches, 49ers are finding new ways to win. You've got, if you look at if you look at their stretch of wins, you've got defensive shutouts. You've got defensive not shutouts, but dominance, like Panthers, Green Bay, mixed with offensive explosions. You've got close games, even losses, Baltimore. Seattle, both games against Arizona were close. You know, you got a game like Pittsburgh where you turn the ball over five times, but you still find a way. And then you got the Saints where it's just an all-out brawl. Defenses are having, you know, the 49ers defense struggling, eviscerated, didn't have a single sack, didn't intercept anything. They did force a fumble. But Drew Brees just went to town, but it did not matter. 49ers found a way to win in another way that they hadn't really had yet. The offense has had bad games. The defense is allowed to have bad games too. Did we expect one? No. If you remember last week's podcast, I thought the 49ers would would handle the Saints offense. And I don't mean shut them down to the, like, like Green Bay per se, but I thought they would get to Breeze early and often. I thought they would be able to focus on the passing attack enough to limit it to where the Saints would try to, you know, try to utilize their run a little bit more, but they didn't. It was all through the air against the 49ers. And that happens. 49ers are going to learn a lot. The the 49ers defense is going to learn a lot about itself after watching the film of the Saints game. A lot about their weaknesses. Opposing teams from here on out are going to learn a lot about the 49ers defense from that Saints game. So the 49ers are going to need to be uh, making their adjustments. But to me, the, the main takeaway is the fact that the 49ers found another way to win. Against, in, in, a, in a playoff, in a conference championship manner type of game. This was 49ers Saints, two 10-2 teams fighting for their playoff positioning, fighting for their playoff destiny. 
don't kid yourself. It doesn't matter that it was regular season. That was a a playoff caliber game, and the 49ers found a way to win it. You have to be impressed. You have to be impressed. Yes, I know it involved basically a defense that seemed like at times it didn't show up. Not even at times. For the vast majority of the game, seems like it did not show up. But to me, that was also like like a one of True Breeze's best games of his career. It was incredible. It was an, an amazing game for him. But the 49ers found a way to win. It did not matter. Drew Brees had six total touchdowns, five passing, one on a QB sneak in which he reached the ball over the plane. And it didn't matter. 49ers won. That's impressive, folks. That's big time. Okay. It's crazy. I'm sitting here nodding my head like you guys can see me do this. But it's, you know, that's nuts. Another you know, interesting standout from the game was Kendrick Bourne, who, uh, you know, in the words of Kyle Matson from the Candlestick Chronicles podcast, tweeted about this earlier today, probably had one of the loudest three-catch games you've ever seen. He had two touchdowns, and the catch that wasn't a touchdown was to convert an, an important third down that led to the 49ers, you know, scoring points. Caught a ball short of the sticks, darted forward, dove, dove for the first down. His other two scores were both outstanding. One of them, he created some separation against Marcus Lattimore, one of the better corners in the league. Caught a touchdown. Another one, he you know, was, was darting across the field. Jimmy Garoppolo scrambles left. Both of them kind of, one's coming left, one's coming right. Fires, puts that ball exactly where it needs to be. Another touchdown. It's impressive stuff. You know, and Kendrick Bourne, you know, obviously against the the Seahawks, he had that that egregious drop that turned into an interception that resulted in a touchdown. He is slowly and steadily redeeming himself, and the 49ers have finally settled into a starting group of receivers. Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel, Kendrick Bourne. That's your crew. That's your squad. Add in George Kittle, and there's nothing to be ashamed about there. That is Four people that have proven that they can have a, a an, an impact in this league. And the 49ers are finding that groove right now as they coast later into the season. I say coast like any of this is a coast. But that's you should be encouraged by that. You know, the fact the 49ers have, have, a, have, a, have a, a very specific, clarified, proven group of individuals there's not constantly guy kind of guys rotating in that are having these you know, these little impacts having bad games kind of like how Pettis Pettis would have a great game you know especially in the last season he was he was on fire but then you know he's got these incon- you know inconsistent drops these inconsistent plays you're starting to see less and less of that from the 49ers offense because they've got guys that know that they're the starting crew. They know that it's going to depend on them and their performance. And it kind of, you know, it lends to just a, a bigger thing. Jimmy Garoppolo's building on his timing with these guys. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. So it'll be interesting to see how just how much that passing offense begins to gel. And, you know, I, I, I can't mention offensive success without Raheem Mostert. Now, Raheem and I, you know, I, I always – Say what's up to him when I see him. Dap each other up. He's a good dude. I play uh, Xbox with him pretty consistently. He's such a humble guy, folks. He is so humble. 
you know, and he was on like six or seven teams his first two years in the league. And now he's found a legitimate home with the San Francisco 49ers. Started out as more of like a special teams ace. He's been that for a while. And then slowly got to, uh, got to show what he can do as a running back. And over the past two years, he's proven himself to be one of the 49ers best running backs. You could even make a case for him being the 49ers best running back right now. Over the last 22 games, remember when he missed some games with a broken arm. Over the last 22 games, over the last two seasons, he's had 154 touches. That includes running and, and receiving. And he's totaled 100, excuse me, 1,053 yards. That's 6.8 yards per touch. So every time Raheem Mostert touches the ball, he gains 6.8 yards. Averages 6.8 yards. That's pretty impressive. He's also got seven touchdowns. So he's just been, you know, slowly and steadily capturing that role as the 49ers lead back. Matt Breida came back against the Saints. He was healthy. Took two, three weeks off with a ankle injury, and he only got six carries. Raheem Moster got 10 carries, managed 69 yards, 6.9 yards per carry. Nice. Also got into the end zone once, and he also caught that pass from Emmanuel Sanders for a 35-yard touchdown. So Raheem is humming, folks. He's quick. He fits into this this offense well. He sees the gaps that Kyle Shanahan's zone scheme creates. You can't ask for much more. You can't ask for much more. And like I said, he's a humble dude that has obviously worked to where he's at. He turned down an opportunity to be a professional surfer to, to slug his way through the NFL. And now he is, it's paying off for him. Now he's a lead back in one of the most prolific NFL offenses of 2019. It's hard not to root for the guy, whether I was playing call of duty with him or not. It's hard not to root for, not, not to root for this guy. Like I said, take my word for it. He's a good dude and he's earned it. And that's exciting to see if you're just a people person That's exciting to see. You know, and on the defensive side of the ball, it was just a little different. Not a lot going on. 49ers had a lot of pass breakups. A lot of disrupted pass. I mean, but the ball was being slung around. (laughs) You know what I mean? Of course, they got a lot of pass breakups. But the big takeaway for me was not a single sack against an immobile quarterback. You know, that's, that's, that's difficult to believe the way the 49ers were playing. But to not get it, they did get a few hits. They got three hits. Uh, you know, Nick Bosa had a pretty good game. Two quarterback hits, tackle for loss, pass breakup. Both that tackle for loss and pass, pass breakup were drive enders. On one play, Nick Bosa was held by their right tackle. Uh, they tried to do like a, a keeper with Taysom Hill. And Nick Bosa immediately fought right through the hold and tackled Taysom Hill in the backfield. It's just an insane play considering the guy was being held. So he still had a pretty good impact. Uh, But the 49ers just weren't weren't all that prolific on defense. You know, Drew Brees and Sean Payton and the Saints offense had a good game plan and they were able to tear it up pretty big. So now the Saints are kind of preparing for the Falcons, which by no means should the Falcons be cast in any sort of a 
a gimme light. You know, this is a week off type of deal, especially with the 49ers new gamut of injuries. Now, obviously the Panthers just fired Ron Rivera. That organization is in a little bit of a state of flux, but, and that's flux F L U X. I know some of you guys are like, what did he just say? But the Falcons just beat the Panthers 40 to 20. Okay. They're no joke. It's Matt Ryan and the Falcons offense. Okay. Now they will be down one of their more prolific receivers in Calvin Ridley, whose season um, is over. Uh, He suffered an abdomen injury. You know, they obviously still have Julio Jones and Julio Jones is one of, if not the best receiver in the NFL. So there's still plenty of firepower on that offense and coupled that with Richard Sherman's injury, D Ford's injury, you know, K1 Williams injury, DJ Jones injury. This defense is not going to be as stifling as it usually is. So there's nothing to say that the four nine Falcons aren't coming to do some damage at Levi stadium. So the 49ers defense is going to have their hands full, but where they do have the significant advantages is advantages on, on the offensive side of the ball. The Falcons defense is forgettable. It's, it's not very good. The Falcons defense right now ranks, uh, 26th in points allowed, allowing 26 points per game. They rank 21st in yards allowed 366 yards per game. They allow the 24th most passing yards per game at 200 and basically 260. They're 16th best rushing defense. They allow an average of 108 yards a game. Their, their defense is not good. And given how well the 49ers offense is playing right now, you know, I, I'm not saying that the Falcons could be another shootout, but I have confidence that the 49ers could take advantage of the Falcons defense if it needed to be on offense. The Falcons are a bit more potent. Like I was saying, they're the the 14th ranked offense. They average 23 points a game, 376 yards of, of offense a game. That's seventh They're They throw for almost 300 yards a game on average. That's third best in the NFL. And then as far as rush yards go, they're almost non-existent. They average 80 rush yards a game, which ranks 30th, among the worst in the league. So the 49ers should prepare to be passed upon. They should know that the game plan for the Falcons is going to be to pass, and pass a lot. They've been eliminated from playoff contention. They don't have a whole lot to lose. So there's, you know... There's definitely some some respect that needs to be offered against the 49ers. Excuse me, against the Falcons come Sunday. You have Richard Sherman out. So it's going to be Manuel Witherspoon. Witherspoon, Just switch them around. Emmanuel Witherspoon and Akello Mosley. Akello Witherspoon and Emmanuel Mosley are going to be the 49ers starting corners. You can almost guarantee Sherman's not going to play. Barring a a miracle-type recovery from what – what's considered a pretty serious hamstring strain. Both Witherspoon and Mosley are proven. They can do it. You know, they, they both have, have been having a very good season. I know Witherspoon took his lumps there against Michael Thomas, but that's everybody in the NFL. That is your league's leading receiver. So don't hold that against him too much. But you've got 
Witherspoon and Mosley out there who the 49ers can have confidence in. You know, Marcel Harris has struggled uh, backing up Jaquiski Tart. Tart may or may not be out there. We don't know yet. Um, Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw have struggled to in, in, in the 49ers coverage concepts. Now, obviously, Fred Warner is, is an excellent coverage linebacker. But over the past couple of weeks, it seems like the 49ers have, have shown their vulnerability against tight ends down the seams. Baltimore Ravens had a lot of success. Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst. And the Saints had a ton of success with Jared Cook. And I'm making sure it got the name right. Jared Cook, I believe. Um, and But he was knocked out of the game in the first quarter after scoring two touchdowns against the 49ers, which very well, very well, you know, that, that, that could have changed the, the trajectory of that game. So the 49ers have shown a little bit of, of a vulnerability against tight ends. And you can, I can guarantee you that teams are noticing that. So that's something they're going to have to worry about. Saints have Austin Hooper, who's been, or excuse me, not Saints, Falcons, um, who's been doing pretty well. You know, that I, I risk saying this about a team that I don't follow nearly as much. So the, the Falcons could have made some changes or had some injuries at tight end that I don't know about. But you can believe they're going to try and target the middle of that defense. You know, the, the, the intermediate level passing game where the 49ers have shown to be relatively vulnerable. You know, so it's the point I'm trying to make to you guys right now. So it's, it's, of course, there are never gimme games in the NFL. But if you're trying to convince yourself that this is, you know, yes, it is a, is, it is a significant step down in competition compared to what they've been going through, especially over the last three weeks. But the Falcons are going to come to play. And the 49ers are going to be on their P's and Q's if they want to maintain their shot at the number one seed, a first round by home field advantage during the playoffs. It's all on the line, and every one of these wins is going to matter. The 49ers hold tiebreakers over Green Bay and the Saints, both of which I believe are 10-3 and three right now. Um, but they still have to try and work their way back up to the Seahawks, who lost to the Rams on Monday night. But, you know, that's – there's no gimmies there. Not Monday night, Sunday night, excuse me. And the 49ers need to maintain this distance over, over other teams. If they want to try and, they, you know, they need to, they need to take it upon themselves to earn their right into that number one seed and hope and, and eliminate all hope that somebody else screws up. It's on them. If they want that number one seed, it is on them. And that starts with the Falcons. doesn't matter what record they have. They're, they're a potent team and they can make you pay. So the, the 49ers need to be on it. 49ers have the tools to do it, but they're suffering through some injuries, which is nothing new. We've seen them do it. The 49ers are more than capable of of absorbing these injuries, absorbing the shock of these injuries, and and making it happen. It's just, it's not going to be easy. Nothing about the 49ers season going forward is going to be easy because everybody in the NFL knows what they're getting is the best. They have the Falcons, they have the Rams, they have the Seahawks, and then they're in the playoffs. Can you guys believe that we're already in week 15. I cannot believe how fast this NFL season has gone by. I can't believe it. But I think that wraps us up for tonight. Hopefully, I did not disappoint you guys without the one Eric Crocker. Obviously, I miss him. He's my co-host, my partner in crime. Um, and you know, he'll undoubtedly be on, be on here next time. But he was uh, indisposed tonight and was unable to make it. You know, make sure you give him a shout out on, out on Twitter. Tell him you missed him. Don't tell him I sucked and you needed him on there. That would be rude. 
don't do that. But, you know, as always, if you're with, if you're still with me uh, right now, I appreciate you sticking around. I appreciate you listening to my Ray Romano-esque, Kermit the Frog-esque voice for a whole hour. I mean, I guess if you're a fan of the podcast, you've been listening to me for a lot longer than that. So I appreciate you guys. As always, I wouldn't be able to sit here recording this podcast um, without your guys' listenership, viewership, downloadship. Rate, comment, subscribe. Hit me up on Twitter, at Rob underscore Louder. Um... Leave some positive reviews. If you're listening to it on iTunes or whatever you have that has a review, leave a review. Say what's up. We read them. We check them. We want to know what, what constructive feedback you guys have or if you're enjoying the pod. We're always on there checking them. Uh, just because we, you know, Crock and I want to be, uh, you know, and, and KJ up there at running Blue Wire. We want to be great for you guys. So hit me up on Twitter. Leave us a review. Tell us what you're feeling. Again, I appreciate you guys being here. Uh, Looking forward to watching another exciting week with the 49ers. Because like I said, we're getting down to the wire. And it's got to be nothing but great football from here on out. So with that being said, I'm Rob Lauder. Again, thank you for being here. And this is it for another episode of Striking Gold. We're signing out. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.